0: And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Go to you from our studios in exciting El Paso, Texas. Can't wait to the old west and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is July the 11th. And, hmm, I think my system is on strike here. It is the 192nd day of the year. 173 days remain till the year is over with. It's uh, National Free Slurpee Day. Go get your sugar fix. National State Fair Food Day. World Population Day. All American Pet Photo Day. Bodler Day. His name, uh, Thomas Bodler is the person who celebrated on this day, and his name has become synonymous with uh, censorship. Uh, Captured Nations Week, celebration of the Golden Spurs, that's a Flemish celebration. Uh, cheer up the lonely day, the day of the Flemish community. International Essential Oil Day, Carpugia. Um Madame Holiday, It's a Mongolian traditional uh, sport to commemorate one of their most important festivals. National 7-Eleven Day. National Blueberry Muffin Day. National Culture and Senior Citizens Day. National Mojito Day. National Polyphenol Day. Um, On this particular day, we celebrate the birthday of Dr. Gundry, cardiothoracic surgeon. National Rainier Cherry Day, National Swimming Pool Day, National Benzodiazepine Awareness Day. Um, On this particular day, they want you to become aware of the uh, psychoactive drugs and their side effects. I've known some people taking that that uh, literally went around the bed. All righty. Let's see what the story is for today. Hmm. Well, we seem to have a uh, an issue. Hmm. Let's try it one more time. Okay. Server can't be found. That's interesting. Well. We shall try it. One more time. Some days things work beautifully. Some days they don't. That's the technological world in which we live. There we go. 472 A.D. After being besieged in Rome by his own generals, uh, Western Roman Emperor... Themius is captured in Saint Peter's Basilica and put to death. You now the Roman Empire, the largest empire known to history, was so big it was divided into two the Western Roman Empire based in Rome and an Eastern Roman Empire based in, based in Constantinople it became known as the Byzantium Empire. 8.13. Byzantine Emperor Michael I, under threat by conspiracies, abdication in favor of his general, Leo the Armenian, and becomes a monk. He monked around under the name of uh, Athanasius. 9.11. Signing by the, of the Treaty of St. Clair-Sue-Epti between Charles the Simple and Rollo of Normandy took place on this date. 11.74. Baldwin IV. At the ripe old age of thirteen, became king of Jerusalem, with Raymond III, Count of Tripoli, as regent and William of Tyre as chancellor. In other words, he was to be seen and not heard. All right, 1302, Battle of the Golden Spurs, coalition around the Flemish cities defeats the King of France's royal army. 1346, Charles IV, Count of Luxembourg, and the King of Bohemia is elected King of the Romans. 1405, Ming Admiral Zheng He sets sail to explore the world for the first time. 1410, Ottoman and Turegnum, Suleiman Sulebi defeats his brother Musa Sulebi outside the Ottoman capital of uh, Edirne. 1476, Giuliano della Rovera is appointed bishop of cotances 1576 were explored in the North Atlantic Ocean in an attempt to find a Northwest Passage Martin uh, Frobisher cites Greenland mistaking hypothesized uh, but non-existent Island of Friesland 1616 Samuel de Champlain returns to Quebec 1735, mathematical calculation suggests it's on this day that the war planet Pluto moves inside the orbit of Neptune for the last time before 1979. 1789, Jacques Necker is dismissed as France's finance minister, sparking the storming of the Bastille. 1796, the U.S. takes possession of Detroit from Great Britain under the terms of the Jay Treaty. Give it back. 1798, the U.S. Marine Corps is re-established. They've been disbanded after the American Revolutionary War. 1801, French astronomer Jean-Louis Pons makes his first comet discovery. In the next 27 years, he discovers another 36 comets, more than any other person in history. 1804, a duel occurs in which Vice President of the U.S. Aaron Burr mortally wounds former Secretary of the Treasury Alexander Hamilton. 1833, Noongar, Australian Aboriginal warrior, Yagan, wanted for the murder of white colonists in Western Australia, is killed. 1836, The Fly Fisher's Entomology is published by Alfred Ronalds. The book transformed the sport and went on to many editions. 1848, Waterloo Railway Station in London opens up. 1864, American Civil War. Battle of Fort Stevens. Confederate forces attempt to invade Washington, D.C. 1882, the British Mediterranean fleet begins the bombardment of Alexandria and Egypt as part of the Anglo-Egyptian War. 1889, Tiamon, New Mexico was founded. 1893, the first cultured pearl is obtained by Kokichi Mikimoto. Before that, pearls didn't have any culture. They were just peasants. 1893, a revolution led by the liberal general and politician Jose Santose Leo takes over state power in Nicaragua. 1897, Solomon August André leaves Spitsbergen to attempt to reach the North Pole by balloon. 1899, Fiat, founded by Giovanni Agnelli in Turin, Italy. 1906 murder of Grace Brown by Chester Gillette in the U.S. inspiration for the dressers in American tragedy. 1914 Babe Ruth makes his debut in Major League Baseball. On this day in 1914 also the Assist Nevada is launched. In 1919 the eight-hour day and free Sunday become law for workers in the Netherlands. 1920 in the East Prussian plot the site the Local populace decides to remain with the Weimar Republic. That was Germany. 1921, a truce in the Irish War of Independence comes into effect. Also on this day in 1920, the White Army captures Mongolia from the White Army and establishes a Mongolian People's Republic. When they say People's Republic, we're talking communist. 1921, former President of the U.S. William Howard Taft is sworn in as the 10th Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, becoming the only person ever to hold both offices. 1922, the Hollywood Bowl opens on this date. Also on this date, 1924, Eric Liddell won the gold medal in 400 meters at the 1924 Paris Olympics after refusing to run in the heats for 100 meters, his favorite distance on a Sunday. 1934, Engelbert Zaska of Germany flies his large human powered aircraft, the uh, Zaska human powered aircraft, about uh, 20 meters at uh, Berlin's uh, Tempelhof Airport without assisted takeoff. 1936, the Triborough Bridge in New York City is open to traffic. 1940, World War II, Vichy France regime is formally established. Philippe Pétain becomes chief of the French state he was eventually um, after World War II um, well he had been a general that commanded the French Army in World War One, and was head of the collaborationist, the collaborationist regime of Vichy France until through 1944 the uh, his journey from military obscurity to hero of France to World War I to collaborationist ruler during World War II led his successor Charles de Gaulle to declare Patane's life was successively banal, glorious, deplorable, but never mediocre. Many people thought he was a traitor. 1941, Northern Rhodesian Labour Party holds its first congress in Nakana. 1943 massacres of Poles and in Voyanaya and Eastern Galicia by the Ukrainian Insurgent Army within the Reich Commissariat Ukraine. Uh, peak. Also in 43, Allied invasion of Sicily. German and French troops launch a counterattack on Allied forces in Sicily. 1944 Exodus. 1947 heads for, to Palestine from France. 1950 Pakistan joins the International Monetary Fund and the International Bank. 1957 Prince Karim Husseini, Aga Khan IV inherits the office of Imamate as the 49th Imam of Shia uh, Imami uh, worldwide after the death of Sir Sultan Mohammed Shah Aga Khan III. 1960, France legislates for the independence of Dahomey, uh, later Benin, Upper Volta, later Burkina Faso and Niger. 1960, Congo crisis, the state of Katanga breaks away from Democratic Republic of Congo. 1960, a book I came to utterly detest, To Kill the Mockingbird by Harper Lee, is first published in the U.S. I thought the movie was terrible, too. 1962, first transatlantic satellite television transmission takes place. This day in 1962 also saw Project Apollo. At a press conference, NASA announces lunar orbit rendezvous as the means to land astronauts on the moon and then bring them back to Earth. 1971, copper mines in Chile are nationalized. 1972, the first game of the World Chess Championships of 1972 between challenger Bobby Fischer and the defending world. Uh, champion uh, Boris uh, Spatsky started on this date. 1973, a very flight 820 crashes near Paris on approach to Orly airport. Of the 134 people on board, 123 die. In response, the FAA banned smoking in airplane lavatories. 1977, Martin Luther King Jr. assassinated in 1968, awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. 1978 loss auto case disaster. A truck carrying liquid gas crashes and explodes at a coastal campsite in Tarragona, Spain, killing 216 tourists. 1979 America's first space station Skylab is destroyed as it re-enters the Earth's atmosphere over the Indian Ocean. 1982 Italy national football team defeats West Germany at Santiago. Bernabeu Stadium to capture the 1982 FIFA World Cup. 1983, a PAME airline Boeing 737-200 crashes near Cuenca, Ecuador, killing all 119 passengers and crew on board. 1990, Oka crisis. First Nations land dispute in Quebec begins. That's the Native Americans versus the government. 1991, Nigeria Airways Flight 2120 crashes in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Killed all 261 passengers and crew on board. 1995, Yugoslav Wars. Srebrenica massacre begins, last until July 22nd. 2006, Mumbai train bombings. 209 people were killed in a series of bomb attacks in Mumbai, India. 2010, Islamist Militia Group Shabab carries out multiple suicide bombings in Kampala, Uganda, kills 74 and injures 85 others. 2010 also saw Spain defeat the Netherlands to win the 2010 FIFA World Cup in Johannesburg. 2011, 98 containers of explosives self detonate, killing 13 people in Zagai, Cyprus. 2015, Joaquin El Chapo Guzman escapes from lack of security. Out to Plano Prison of Mexico. That was his second escape, don't you know? Twenty twenty one, Richard Branson becomes the first civilian to be launched into space on his uh, Virgin Galactic spacecraft. And in twenty twenty one, Italy defeats England in in the UEFA Euro twenty twenty final to win their second European title. Well, it's always interesting to note that um, there are many things that have an impact on our history that are never talked about the truth is never known well we would have been talking about the john kennedy assassination and a lot of the same people insane groups running through John Kennedy's assassination Martin Luther King Jr's assassination Robert Kennedy's assassination now there's no question that it wasn't a lone nut gunman this is the only country in the world where a lone nut gunman run around shooting important people now on the day of the assassination And this has rarely been spoken about. In Dallas, Texas, Texas was LBJ, Richard Nixon, George H.W. Bush. And it's interesting that all these connections have been kept very quiet. In fact, there's a photograph showing Richard Nixon standing and watching the motorcade. Now, most investigators of the assassination conclude it was a conspiracy involved renegade elements within the CIA, military-industrial complex, organized crime, and anti-Castro Cubans. Now, all these groups have been working together to overthrow the government of Cuba. Uh, And the Bay of Pigs, military officials that I knew coming up through the ranks, who had been involved, said if Kennedy had given the promised air support, the Cuban Ana Castro rebels would have won. But instead, at the last minute, he refused to send the air support, and they were massacred. It's also been concluded there had been several other assassination attempts that had been aborted in the weeks leading up to Dallas that involved the same people who had a patsy in place to take the blame, if, assuming they succeeded. The assassination itself was organized in a way that each element was forced to cover up what really happened. There had been a team of anti-Castro Cubans given extensive training in Mexico to, as part of the plan to assassinate Fidel Castro. They'd been given extensive practice firing at propped-up watermelons set up in the back seats of old convertibles on a crossfire attack. That was within the elements of this hit team that was... Uh, told not to shoot Castro but to shoot Kennedy now after the assassination both London I'm gonna be King Johnson and J Edgar red-dress Hoover used all their power to cover up the true facts now we were told because I still remember the news broadcast and Lee Harvey Oswald was a lone nut. Jack Ruby shot him in the basement of the Dallas Police Headquarters to keep Jackie Kennedy from having to come back to Dallas and go through a trial. In actuality, Jack Ruby and Lee Harvey Oswald were friends. They knew each other very well. And Oswald was a low-level intelligence operative who had been recruited by the Office of Naval Intelligence and loaned out to the CIA. Jack Ruby was a, uh, a bag man for organized crime. He ran the Carousel uh, Club in uh, Dallas, and he murdered Oswald to uh, silence him. Now, with his own links, an association of organized crime, Nixon almost certainly knew a lot about this. Sunday after the assassination, he watching TV when Ruby murdered Oswald in the basement of Dallas Police Headquarters in front of 60 police officers. As soon as this happened, the TV started reporting that the man who shot Oswald was a nightclub owner by the name of Jack Ruby. And Nixon in front of a room full of people said, I know that man. Ruby had actually been an informant for Nixon when Nixon was in Congress tracking down enemy spies. Like everybody else who was influential in American politics, outside of that room, Nixon didn't say too much about the fact he knew Ruby. In 1968, Bobby Kennedy ran for the Democratic nomination for president and had a good chance of making it. He was assassinated as a result of a conspiracy in California. And Nixon certainly knew more details about it than he let on. After Bobby Kennedy was assassinated, Nixon saw a glimmer of hope to run for the presidency again, and this time he won. Well, after Kennedy, uh, John Kennedy was assassinated, the CIA continued to operate as it always had. And there was not an assistant president running around by the name of Bobby Kennedy trying to uh, rein in some of the agency's excesses. It wasn't until after Watergate that some of the covert actions with the CIA in bed with the mafia came to the surface and got exposed to the American people. And since the time of JFK, the CIA has the gone on and expanded its Langley, Virginia office complex to more than twice its original size. And after the uh, John Kennedy assassination CIA, went on to fight many covert wars and engage in the overthrow of governments in third world countries that American people didn't know anything about. Very few people know that, um, as an example, John Kennedy signed off to withdraw American troops out of Vietnam. He kept it secret until... He felt it was time to uh, announce it. After his assassination, one of LBJ's first actions as president was to reverse that withdrawal. He kept the war going. Kennedy had signed National Security Action Memorandum 263, which called for the withdrawal of a 1,000 military personnel by the end of 1963 and a complete pullout by the end of 65 after he got elected Kennedy was going to end the Vietnam War but after his assassination Lyndon I'm going to be King Johnson expanded the Vietnam War one of his first executive orders rescinded Kennedy's secret executive order to bring home the 1600 Americans who were in Vietnam at that time now what's interesting it's never been talked about. The Security Action Memorandum that Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson signed that reversed Kennedy's policy to withdraw from Vietnam was actually prepared before the assassination of John Kennedy. And it's highly doubtful John Kennedy would have wanted to reverse this policy. So it certainly shows a foreknowledge of the assassination. Well, Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, went on to win his own election as president in 1964. But unfortunately for him, he got steamrolled by the Vietnam War. He personally expanded. We weren't making progress. So he expanded the war efforts even more in his second term. Now, the sad thing is, we lost that war because the politicians tried to be generals. You cannot legislate. Military operations. August tenth, nineteen sixty-four, Congress signed the Gulf, um, Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, which gave Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, war powers to expand the war in Vietnam. The Gulf of Tonkin Resolution came from what the Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson administration stated it was an unprovoked attack on American ships in the Gulf of Tonkin by the North Vietnamese. Well, when all the red tape was unwound and the smoke cleared, it became clear there was no attack. Johnson lied to Congress. The whole thing was a sham to get Congress to enact the War Powers Act for London, I'm going to be King Johnson to expand the war. As it escalated the Vietnam War, he let Cuba remain a non-issue. Now, covert actions did continue through the CIA to attempt to topple Castro, but it remained out of the minds of most Americans and out of the news, certainly, since, as I'll tell you shortly, uh, the uh, even then, the news media was controlled from the White House. Well, When did I'm going to be King Johnson's popularity drop because of the Vietnam War? There were massive American casualties. American people grew tired of the prolonged war and began to wonder why we're in Vietnam in the first place. And, of course, protesters across the country took to the streets. The the big chant in those days was, Hey, hey, LBJ, how many kids did you kill today? Well, it was so apparent his popularity had dropped at a point it was questionable whether he'd even win the Democratic nomination for president in 1968. And his health was deteriorating. And he had lost his solid grip on the Democratic Party. Well, on March 16, 1968, Robert Kennedy announced his candidacy for the Democratic nomination for the presidency. So, Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson's worst nightmare come true. He was going to be challenged by, for the nomination by another Kennedy. And Robert Kennedy was running as an opposition candidate opposed to the war in Vietnam. And he stated very clearly, if he won the election, he'd end the war. Well, March thirty-first, 1968, Lyndon I'm going to be King Johnson went on TV and shot the country by stating he wouldn't seat and he wouldn't run for another term as president. Well, about this same time, civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. had been planning a massive march on Washington to oppose the Vietnam War. That march would have driven hundreds of thousands of people into the nation's capital that would have camped out in public parks for extended periods of time. On April 4th, 1968, he was assassinated as a result of another conspiracy and his plans for March in Washington died with him. Now the fascinating thing about the conspiracy to kill Martin Luther King Jr. The trigger was pulled by a man named James Earl Ray, a low-level criminal who would not have had the ability nor the resources to mount a conspiracy But he managed to get phony papers and the wherewithal to flee to another country. And everybody came to protect him. I'll talk more about that later on. Well, in June of 1968, Bobby Kennedy won the Democratic primary in California. His last words from the stage before he was escorted through the kitchen where he was killed. Is it's owned to Chicago and let's win there. Well as he walked through a pantry, he was assassinated, just as his brother had been. Now literally trampling over the bodies of two Kennedys. Richard Nixon ran four and one the race to become the 37th president of the U.S. in 1969. All his political battles had been hard-fought battles. He was not the charismatic individual that either of the Kennedys had been. But during his campaign, he stated he had a secret plan to end the war in Vietnam. And the loudly screaming liberal left believed him and it in the election. Now, the interesting thing... is that a lot of people who would not ordinarily have supported somebody like Nixon screamed to high heaven in his support because of the fact he was going to end the war in vietnam just like our current administration ended covid with the signing of an executive order he was going to do the same thing with vietnam well it's interesting At about this same time, a lot of um, COVID operations, covert operations, covert operations, covert operations went into effect. One was Operation Nova. Well, yep. there was um, a meeting in. Villanova restaurant in Waterpark, Park one of the finest restaurants in Central Texas and owned by none other than the Genie D'Agostino family big Nixon supporters well Operation Nova went into effect there was going to be a meeting there And um, shall we say informal agents were sent to photograph the people involved. Now, it's interesting to note that in those days, you didn't know who was buying on who or from why. Now, one week before Nixon had planned a rally at the airport in Orlando, Operation Airport was put into effect. and these are normally um, I guess you could say teenagers who got tapped for these operations and they were sent to write down tag numbers of cars at specific locations at specific times prior to Nixon flying in and then there was a Operation General back at the Villanova restaurant. there was a big fundraising event that was going to take place in the, the banquet room in the back of the restaurant. Nixon wasn't going to be there, but some famous generals are going to speak. And uh, people were sent in to uh, get the tag number of the vehicle. The general came in if there any other vehicles that have been in his party. On election night there was a big Republican rally. Um uh, looked as if uh, Hubert Humphrey was gonna win. Right before the election, then I'm gonna be saying Johnson haunted the bombing in North of Vietnam. And Humphrey just soared to the top of the polls. It was a close election, but Humphrey was ahead in Electoral College. So, at the end of that particular day, everybody assumed Hubert Humphrey was going to be the next president. But the next morning, miracle of miracles, Richard Nixon won the election. Well, with the election of Nixon, a lot of the secret operations that were going on and around him and the campaign came going in however a lot of meetings continued unabated at the Villanova restaurant and some of those teenagers who had the job of uh, doing what you might call scut work, for uh, doing investigations for various people. We're told to um, get a job as a waiter and try to be assigned to that room. Well. They were told to get the name of everybody who came to the meetings in the back room. One point in time, Villanova restaurant was the place to see and be seen. Well, there You know, Nixon had run on a platform that he had a plan to end the Vietnam War. But after being elected, it turned out he didn't. He just thought it'd be something that would get people's attention. The, um, you know, Nixon really wasn't suited to be president. He was a loner. Shy and retiring person preferred to be around just a few people he knew well, and that's how he set up the White House. He built a wall around himself with only a few close aides having access to him. Now, it is interesting to note that Richard Nixon seemed to be absolutely obsessed with uh, the Kennedy assassination, Robert, the John Kennedy assassination one thing he did when he became president was ask to see all the JFK files on the assassination from both the CIA and the FBI. Now the FBI was quick to respond but the CIA refused to release any files to the president. Nixon uh, informed the CIA they worked for him and he had a right to see the files in their possession, and they still refused. So he gave them a direct order to turn over the files, and they said no. And, in spite of continued attempts on his part, he never got to see those files. CIA simply said, you can't see them. You're a clearance in high enough. Now, as I'm sure anybody who was alive at that time knows that uh, Richard Nixon's best friend was a man named Charles B.B. Revozo, Cuban-turned-American and lived in the Miami area, owned a bank known as the Key Biscayne Bank and Trust. It was known for being abused uh, for mob and CIA money laundering activity, and he was known as Nixon's personal financial and real estate advisor. Now, it wouldn't be a major uh, stretch to assume, being in, uh, born in Cuba, that he was an anti-Castro uh, individual. He was said to Ben with Nixon when he was first informed of the Watergate break-in. And he was with him on the night that uh, Nixon decided to resign from the presidency. Well, as the Vietnam War raged on, the American people grew Tired of it, and it became obvious that Nixon's secret plan to end the war was nothing more than to escalate it, crush the enemy, and get it over with. The young folks, many of whom were raised in Mama's basements, took to the streets with massive demonstrations. There were buses that circled the White House. Staff who worked in the West Wing felt like they were in a bunker it got so bad. Nixon attempted to sympathize with the demonstrators and explained their feelings when the press asked him about the protest. He said they wanted the same thing he did, but the means to reach the end result were different. Well... One particular day, just to give you an example of what was going on, the Secret Service got notified that uh, Nixon was out on the south lawn of the White House. Seems he couldn't sleep. He called for a car. And he was notified by his aides could he could just get up in the middle of the night and go wandering around Washington. Wasn't safe. Well, Nixon was Nixon. He ignored him. So he was driven to the Lincoln Memorial, where a massive number of young folks were camped out. It was another Vietnam War protest. He walked up the steps to the monument and tried to engage in small talk with the folks camping there. That didn't go well. Age came swarming in to get him away. He wanted to walk up and down the mall. It took quite some doing to get him back in the car, which is one of the things that led a lot of folks to decide he wasn't totally well wrapped. He may have been a picnic short of a, a sandwich short of a picnic. Then he decided to go to the Capitol building. It was the middle of the night, and the aides had been pulled out of bed. And everybody was tired, but Nixon was Nixon. They went to the Capitol. He walked in and sat in the House Representative Chamber and started reminiscing about his days as a congressman. It was dawn by the time they got him back to the White House. Well, as his running mate, Nixon had picked Spiro Agnew. Spiro Agnew. He was the governor of Maryland at the time. Nixon told anybody who'd listen he picked Agnew as an insurance policy. Nobody would attempt to assassinate him or remove him from office. And when the time came to remove him from office in his second term, uh, there was a Agnew scandal that forced the vice president to resign. And Gerald, tell me what I'm supposed to say. Ford was selected and confirmed by Congress as the vice president. Now, Gerald Ford was a congressman from Michigan, been appointed by Lyndon Johnson to help cover up the Kennedy assassination when he was appointed to the Warren Commission. Ford spied on the commission, reported back to Hoover on everything that was going on so Hoover could head off any issues The if it appeared the Warren Commission wasn't following party line. And Ford actually re- was the reason the location of the bullet wound on the back of the president was changed so it would conform to their single-bullet-lone-nut theory. After the Warren Commission... Uh, was over. Gerald Ford had a book published with his name on it, called Portrait of an Assassin, which was supposed to be a biography of Lee Harvey Oswald. Well, in that book, Gerald told me what to say. Ford left out a few things, including the fact that he knew at the time he wrote the book, there was information that showed Lee Harvey Oswald was an informant for the FBI and being paid $200 a month. There were some simple things about Oswald that Ford didn't know at the time that we do know now. One is the fact that about 30 people confirmed to collaborate the fact that Oswald was recruited by the Office of Naval Intelligence to perform counterintelligence operations, uh, stringing Russian female spies in a nightclub known as the Queen Bee in Japan. Ford also left out the fact that Oswald contacted uh, gonorrhea during this time period, was treated for it as a Marine. and His records indicate it was obtained in the line of duty, which raises interesting questions in and of itself. Fourth about the fact that Oswald defected to the Soviet Union as part of an intelligence-gathering fake defector program and was ordered by the CIA to marry uh, Maria, who was raised by a high-ranking Soviet intelligence officer before he returned to the U.S. Oswald was also bisexual. His... uh, male lover was taken to the airport when Oswald returned and Oswald didn't recognize him which raised a lot of questions about whether or not the Oswald that came back was the Oswald that went Ford also didn't seem to care to mention the fact Oswald was engaged in intelligence operations in New Orleans New Mexico and Dallas before the assassination Well, at the end of the day, Ford's book, Portrait of an Assassin, was had the same effect of moving the bullet wounds on Kennedy's back. It was nothing more than propaganda to convince the American people. Oswald was a lone nut gunman who murdered John Kennedy all by his lonesome. After Ford became president, Nixon had some private, vice president, Nixon had some private meetings with him. I mean, he knew Ford fairly well. And everybody was aware of the fact that uh, the meetings drifted toward the Kennedy assassination as Nixon was attempting to find out exactly what certain people knew and didn't know about that particular event. Remember, Nixon had been in Dallas on the day of the assassination, and that was kept very, very quiet. Well, Ford is supposed to have told him that he, Ford, later told French President uh, Valéry Des, uh, Giscard d'Estaing in private in 1976 that the Warren Commission came to the conclusion the assassination had been prepared. It had been a conspiracy, but the commission just could not identify who sponsored it. Well, before he was forced by the powers that be to nominate Ford as VP to replace Agnew, Nixon wanted Texas Governor John Connolly. Well, when he couldn't have him as vice president, he appointed him Secretary of the Treasury. And curiously, the one-time Democrat Connolly had been riding in the car and wounded during the Kennedy assassination. He'd always claimed, and claimed very publicly, he'd been hit by a separate bullet, which, had that been confirmed, would have smashed the Warren Commission's lone nut, one gunman, single bullet theory. But in those days, for whatever reason, the powers that be, who were not in on the plan, couldn't get their act together. And they didn't like the Connolly idea as he had switched parties to become a Republican. They weren't sure of his loyalty and not sure they could get the nomination through Congress quickly. On top of everything else, Connolly was disputing being hit by the same bullet that had hit Kennedy. The establishment felt he wasn't following party line, that the uh, lone nut gunman single bullet theory was the flavor of the day. So, Conley was dropped. What is curious about both Gerald Ford and John Conley as a VP pick is that they both had significant links to the Kennedy assassination. And combine that with the fact that Nixon's introverted personality tended to keep him out of individual private meetings with people he didn't know, it was clear that he knew both these individuals very well and likely had many discussions with him, which um, certainly revolved around the assassination in many, uh, at many times. We might not know for sure what the reason for the meetings were, but the evidence would tend to indicate that uh, Nixon seemed to be trying to find out what everybody knew about the John Kennedy assassination. And he was known to make two comments on the Kennedy assassination. When people close to him would discuss the Warren Commission, he often made the comment that it was total BS. When people close to him would ask him what really happened, he'd tell them, you don't really want to know. Nobody's really sure what he meant by that second comment. What was clear is that he knew a whole lot more than he was telling about the Kennedy assassination and he was attempting to obtain files on the assassination from the CIA to let him continue to delve into it. And interestingly enough, there are strings of Watergate that go all the way back to the Kennedy assassination. Well, in 1969, Daniel Ellsberg, who died not too long ago, had access to and copied some highly classified Pentagon papers concerning the history of and U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War. He'd become an anti-Vietnam War veteran uh, or advocate and started leaking these highly secret papers. And Nixon became aware of the leaks, and when he read about them in the New York Times, his first reaction was that These papers embarrassed both the Kennedy and the Johnson administration, so he really liked the idea of doing nothing, and Kissinger convinced him that the papers contained more and they ought to be concerned. So Nixon began to wonder if the papers contained any information about Cuba. So he publicly voiced disapproval of the leaks. And unfortunately for him, the leaks got worse. Other leaks were happening inside the White House. Nixon administration filed actions on Ellsberg that were in violation of the Espionage Act in 1917 and asked for an injunction forcing Time magazine to stop the publication of the Pentagon Papers. Well that case went on the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. In the court ruled six to three the federal government had failed to meet the high burden of proof and voided the restraining order. Floodgated leaks and flowed out with the Pentagon Papers. Well, at first, Nixon attempted to get the FBI and the CIA involved in plugging up those leaks. He believed that these leaks were undermining war efforts and creating a national security nightmare. Nixon became irritated with both the FBI and the CIA as they seemed to be unable to deal with the issue. He wanted certain reporters bugged, and some were, in all likelihood, bugged, but Hoover would only go so far. And the request coming from the White House had crossed the line from national security matters to political and re election matters. Hoover refused to carry out some of the requests, and Nixon hit the ceiling. So, on July 24, 1971, he set up the Plumbers, his own intelligence operation. It was called the Plumbers because it was supposed to plug up various leaks. E. Howard Hunt was hired. G. Gordon Liddy was hired. One of the first tasks of the plumbers was to break into the psychiatrist's office of Daniel Ellsberg, get his file, and see what they could use to discredit him in the news media. Well, unfortunately for Nixon, the plumbers were not very discreet and ransacked the office, leaving a trail of evidence behind it. Somebody broke into the office and went through the files. Well, while the ongoing purpose of the plumbers' unit was to plug leaks, Nixon figured he'd set up his own little secret FBI-CIA within the White House. And he started using that intelligence unit for political operations. The operators were sent to Chappaquiddick to investigate the Ted Kennedy incident. Another agent was investigating the idea Kennedy was involved in the assassination of South Vietnamese President Nguyen Dinh Diem. Turned out the leads on this had been developed from a forged cable that and Hunt had been responsible for. Well, on that note, we come to the end of the show. We'll be talking to more about some of the strange things that took place uh, during the next administration and tomorrow's show. Until then this is Ken Hudnell for the Ken Hudnell show saying have a truly great evening.